Hold it, doll face. How'd you like to do yourself a favor and come to a swing and bash over at my place? We're staging this real cool welcome Hawaii to the Union Luau. Oh, a luau? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to. You would? Oh, yeah, great. I hate luau's. Who asked you? Well, uh, but only if you can get a date from Marilee. We were going to the movies together, you know, and I can't leave her flat. Yeah. Are you talking about a blind date? Yeah, but no funny stuff. None of those joke dates. Joke dates? You know, you guys are always pulling that stuff on me. Setting me up with four-year-old kids. Old men. Poodles. All right, all right, all right. Calm down. Calm down. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll get you a date. Um... Well? Well, you see, it's kind of hard. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a new guy coming in here in a minute. How new? No, don't worry. This guy is a friend of Fonzie's. What's his name? Sticks Downey. He's gonna play the drums for us at the party. Doesn't sound like a joke. No, no, he's cool. He's gonna just sit in with, uh, with Ralph. Excuse me, are you, uh, Richie Cunningham? Yeah. Hi, I'm Fonzie's friend, Sticks Down. <laughs> Why do I get the feeling I was just humiliated? Hey, Rich, what happened? Nothing, nothing. Nothing? Well, you see, what happened, Marilee needed a date, you see, blind date, and, I, and since Fonzie's friend was Look coming in, out, I thought... Look babe, was... you got the wrong man. Yeah. Well, wait a minute, wait a second. Richie didn't mean anything by it. He's just socially clumsy. Thanks, Ralph. <laughs> Listen, it's really nice to meet you, Ralph Mouth. Hey, hey Potsy Weber here, How Sticks. You How you doing? Listen, Sticks, we gotta get together sometime, play some basketball. Yeah, basketball? Yeah, well, you, you guys are supposed to be Ralph, really... No, man, I don't play basketball. My hands get too slick from eating all that fried chicken. I've heard that. You heard that? It must be all over town. Hey, how's it going, Sticks? I just got stood up by a blonde that I didn't even know I had a date with. We've been talking about basketball and fried chicken. Look out for a discussion of the joys of eating watermelon. <laughs> Sure, well, now you wait for me. Cunningham. Hey. <laughs> I like watermelon. I'm sorry. I tell you, I feel worse about this than you do. Not only did I embarrass the guy, but I probably lost my drummer. I mean, he'll never play for our group now. I wouldn't. Now I got a band and no drummer. Every time I play in a party, it turns out to be a disaster. Hold it, Fonzie. Don't kill him. It's cool, man. Now, what's cool? Uh, your friends explained what happened. I guess it was just an accident. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it could have happened to anybody. Now, wait a minute. Couldn't happen to me. <laughs> so, will you come to my party? Uh, to play drums with you guys? Yeah, yeah. You never even heard me play. Yeah, but I figure you gotta be a good drummer because, you know... Look out, here we go again. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you gotta be a good drummer because they call you Sticks, right? No, man, they call me Sticks because I'm skinny. Well, then, uh, how about my party? Well, I'd like to come to your party, and I love to play the drums. But, um... Yeah? Sticks don't go to a party without a date. Well, then why don't you get a date? With who? I just moved to town. You know how tough it is for us skinny guys when we move to a new neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get you drift. All right. Okay, I'll get you a date. How about that? Oh, uh, no thanks, man. I seen what you fixed. No, me. no, no, not like that. No, I, I'll get you somebody who's right for you. Okay, uh, I'm sold, but not literally. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna take off. I gotta get home and put on some weight. Yeah, great. Right. <laughs> yeah. See you later, fine. Thanks so a lot. <laughs> oh. 
good. This is really good. Yeah, I'll tell you, this is really good. You're gonna get him a date. Who do you know this Negro? Well, Frederick, the cook here at Arnold's. No, no, no. He's too old and the wrong sex. But I figure he's gotta have friends, right? Not the way he cooks friends. Hi, everybody. It's the Night Fly. That's right, Dave Jessica with you, the Night Fly Podcast, coming at you. June 9th, June 9th edition. Say it that way because, uh, well, I don't know, let's see, my niece turned 21, so how many years ago would that be when she was 13, when her bat mitzvah was on June 9th, and Memo and I came to the rescue with a movie trailer video that she sent out to all the friends and family about June 9th. A classic Salazar Juskow production. And uh, her birth, her Bob Mitzvah date was June 9th, and we used her next-door neighbor to... Uh, he got an invitation in the video, and he goes... And he... I think it was a Libyan or Egyptian, and he goes, June 9th? I can't make June 9th. We had the accent, so we always make fun, not make fun, but we just, <laughs> June 9, <laughs> we all say it like that, it's uh, it's really very amusing, he's a great guy, the legendary Mr. George Cotty, everybody I'm talking about, I uh, just hung out with him two weeks ago, June 9, <laughs> and it was so popular that my good friend Joe Messina, because uh, his... Uh, Unfortunate daughter that, that passed away loved the video June 9th. And after that, we always have had, as you know, from the Dave Juskow Invitational, the Maria Messina Invitational, which raises money for Hope and Heroes, a fantastic charity that uh, I am way behind. I've had Joe Messina on the podcast before, and we usually have it at the track. And it would normally be, I, I guess, next Saturday. But what a disaster and a mess everything is. We can't even go to the track. Dave Juskow's favorite summertime activity. If this coronavirus and protests and all these things have caused... The worst thing is that Dave Juskow cannot go gambling at the track. That is completely unacceptable. Damn you, coronavirus! And it would normally be on June 9th. Or around June 9th. For that exact reason... Uh, because of the way the guy said that, and this little girl loved it so much, as did the rest of us. And to this day, July. I'm, I'm saying it like Borat, but that's <laughs> that's not the way it's said. But we just looked it up uh, the other day. Just because she turned 21, so crazy, 21. And can you imagine turning 21 this week? What a nightmare. I mean, your 21st birthday is supposed to be the most fun ever, right? I mean, you know, you can go legally to a bar. She didn't get to experience that, which 
you know, is just absolutely awful. I mean, really awful. What's no fun being 21 and not being able to walk into a bar? Did she go to a liquor store and pick up liquor? Yes, absolutely. But going to a bar and ordering a drink legally is very exciting. I mean, it's also exciting going into a bar and ordering a drink illegally. But let's face it, the day that you're of age and go into a bar for your first time, it's pretty goddamn exciting. Showing your driver's license. You got any ID? Sure I do. You were like, uh... oh, my God. Um... (laughs) Marty McFly. Doc. My God. What's the matter with me? I'm losing it. I'm losing it, man. You were like, Doc, um, I can't remember his last name. What is the matter with me? Emmett Brown. Well, that's not easy to remember. But anyway, you're like the Doc where, that, and nobody would know this scene except yours truly, where the police officer comes when they're about to send him back home. And he's like, you know, it's like, oh, it's a weather experiment. He goes, you got a permit? Sure, I do. He says it just like that, which I do all the time. At the drugstore, when they're like, do you have a number with us? And I'm like, sure, I do. I say it like that, but I can almost guarantee. No, I'm sorry. I can guarantee that the clerk at the counter has no idea that I'm doing a bit from a 30-year-old movie. I can guarantee that that is the case. Sure, I do. Let's pull up that clip. What's with the wire? Oh, just a little weather experiment. What you got under here? Don't, don't, don't touch that. Some new specialized weather sensing equipment. You uh, got a permit for that? Of course I do. Damn it, he says, of course I do. I said, sure I do. All right, so I missed up a little bit. It's still pretty unbelievable that I'm able to call back from that, from nothing, Wait, wait a minute, that's over 30 years old, isn't it? 95, 2005, 2000. Oh my God, it's 35 years ago. Oh, don't you just want to kill yourself sometimes when you realize how old we are? Okay, forget that. Let's move on. Let's talk about something joyful. You know, like the Happy Days clip we just play, played with Sticks Downey. <laughs> I don't know why this all makes sense today. Uh, oh my God, what a mess everything is. It's fucking horrible here. You know that I hate protests. Dave Juskow hates protests. If you want to view that as racist, that's fine with me. I've already admitted I am a racist. But God damn it, parades and protests, ugh, it's awful. Now, not only were there, you know, with the looting and the riots, which, of course, you know, protests usually lead to, unfortunately, but, you know, it came up here to my neighborhood, which normally never happens, usually spared from that kind of stuff because nobody knows we exist in this little... Manhattan neighborhood here that we live in. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, hit a couple of stores up this way, which was odd. You know, it just doesn't usually happen. Um, but, yeah. And, of course, they ruin it for everybody else. And then nobody learns a lesson. These protests are absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. Because they are just a burden. I, you know, obviously can't drive around, can't walk around them. You know, this is the, it's just personally how it affects Dave Juskow. You want to protest silently? That's fine with me. But if you're going to start blocking traffic, as my dad said when my friend Al Klein was blocking traffic in 1984 when he was protesting, you know, the lack of production and uh, an AIDS cure, 
My dad was not angry at the gays. He was angry that he was late for work. And that, of course, is what's bothering everybody because it seems like a lot of times the protesters miss the point. But, of course, my issue is that I think a lot of these protesters, especially the the white ones, are the worst ones. I just think a lot of them are just into it for the social aspect of it. And I, I don't know. I get the feeling that the black people are like, what are you, what are you guys even doing here? What are you doing here? This is our thing. So this drives me crazy. I just feel like everybody's two-faced. Everybody is so goddamn two-faced, right? And I've told you before, you know, with the people that are protesting are exactly like the paralegals of my old office. With these 22-year-old kids that, that are very, very well-educated and they come out of college and, that you know, nobody can be racist. No, everybody, everything is politically correct and it's all nonsense and they always get mad at me with everything I say. I'm the old man at the office and I don't say anything right. Whatever. Okay, I granted that's probably a, a, a thing, but they're so straight-laced. But when they drink, it all comes out. And you might remember a couple of years ago when I invited one of the girls out. I was opening for Sarah. This is uh, not last year, but uh, two years ago in Toronto, the disastrous 2,000-place uh, arena where I opened for Sarah Silverman uh, and uh, just just ate it, uh, which I couldn't believe she asked me to do it again uh, a year later. And I'm like, what? After what happened last time? But I bought one of the paralegals down from the office who... You know, obviously I find very attractive. And just to see me perform, I mean, she was hilarious in the sense of, you know, she'd never, she doesn't know anything about stand-up comedy. And I got up and I was practicing on a weekend, like at 11 o'clock at the Grizzly Pair. And I came off stage and I'm like, well, what'd you think? And she goes, well, I don't know that much about comedy, but shouldn't you talk about yourself on stage or something about your life? I'm like, shut up. What do you know about comedy? Of course, she was completely right which is uh, hilarious, but I had to tell her to shut up that she doesn't know what she's talking about because I look like a moron. Anyway, she's about 22, 23. We go out for a drink after. I've already told this story on the podcast because it's a classic, uh, the ending and everything. But the basic part I'm telling today is that we're sitting there, she's drinking, and there's a bunch of Asian people next to us that are being loud, but it's a bar. They weren't being disrespectful or anything. They're just having a good time. And she goes drunkenly you know and this is somebody who just uh, i guess i was making she was dating a black guy when i first met her and of course i was giving her shit i'm a guy from jersey this is what we do the only reference somebody my age had of growing up was sticks downy you know who came on happy days and then everybody left the party because he was black it taught us a lesson like you know try to don't be that i mean sticks downy was the only one well, who, what other Negroes do you know? I mean, that, that's the thing I've always talked about. You know, all we had is the TV shows we were brought up on and the stuff we learned from school and, uh, you know, our parents or whatever. And most of it was all skewered to, uh, well, just be careful of the black people, you know. So, you know, every family barbecue, I, you know, but I mean, I've told you this a hundred times. And listen, it's totally racist. And I couldn't care less. I just don't care anymore. Uh, you know, these I'm all over the place, but these comics, some of these black lesser known comics, not the good ones, are posting up. There's just some douchebag posted a list of comics that are racist. I mean, people are getting out of control. They're like, it's like Joe McCarthy times. It's like blacklisting. <laughs> That's ironic, the term. Um, so uh, I thought I was going to be on the list, but I'm not. I, I don't know how I uh, made it off, but uh, 
you know, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, but who the fuck are these guys? They're calling people out. They're calling people out there. And they're like, I'll notice if you don't post and I won't book you anymore. I'm like, that's sick. That's racism the other way around, too. But, yeah, I've told you before. I mean, the worst thing that could have happened for me in 1982, I'm saying, but judging by, uh, you know, family and friends and the way people felt back then was having a black roommate in college. It was a thing. Is this sounds so awful to everybody. And, you know, when I tell these 22-year-old kids, I'm like, you... You just don't understand what it was like. I'm not saying this is a good thing. You know what's a great thing? The fact that nobody cares anymore. Whatever roommate they get, whether it's Indian or black or Asian, nobody cares. I mean, well, I mean, maybe they do in Alabama, but most of the country, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable because it was a, it's a goddamn thing. And I've told this on the podcast before for the one guy that did get the black roommate who was a delightful guy. Um, I mean, everybody was sitting there that first day like, oh, did you hear? Did you hear? Yeah. I mean, this is the way it worked. And then when there was an episode of Happy Days that had Sticks Downey on it, you know, we all, Sticks was cool. He was a drummer and he was cool. And you, you wanted a black friend like that. It was like, it was exciting. But this is what, you know, we only had a couple of shows. That's why we liked uh, What's Happening. I, I loved What's Happening. I'm like, these, you know, this is good. You, you were learning about, but the other way. And then, you know, we, we always talk about Bill Cosby taking away the little rascals because he felt it was racist. Well, maybe it was racist, but the message to me as a kid watching this show, The Little Rascals, was like, look how black kids and white kids can get along. So I understand if you're older, you're just not getting the point, but it, it really was a, a really effective tool in a way, the little rascals, and maybe I, I didn't notice that, well, I never noticed the treatment, uh, I guess, I mean, you know, since he pulled them, well, it turns out this guy's a big two-faced jerk-off, Bill Cosby, you know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is all these people are two-faced, so anyway, when I was telling the story at the girl at the bar, she's drunk, and she goes, listen, I never told you this, but I hate Asian people, and I'm like, what? Yeah. I fucking hate Asian people. And she's like telling the people next to us who were nice and like going like, shut up. Why don't you people shut up? This is the girl who was giving me so much shit because I was mentioning that she was dating a black guy and I was just making some jokes. And this is the girl who's giving me so much shit. And quite frankly, this is what I found is that a lot of these 22 and 23 year olds that are the ones that are protesting outside are all two-faced about something else. So maybe they're all in the cause of Black Lives Matter, but they might not be the cause of um, Israel, uh, you know, not caring for Palestine or something. They might hate the Jews. They might hate the Asians. I mean, everybody's fucking two-faced. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, there's a black girl screaming on YouTube yesterday because the protesters came up First Avenue and the East Village and knocked over a bunch of um, those phone charger things that homeless people use. And she's screaming to the protesters, are you people out of your goddamn mind? Nobody likes a mob scene. And it's scary. And, the, you know, it's just getting out of control, obviously, obviously. I mean, what a mess. But it's also kind of hilarious. That this happened after all we've been through for three months and it's so just pile it on, pile it on. There was an earthquake in California on Tuesday. I know because it was Jessica Pilot's birthday and I called her on her birthday. The poor kid is out in L.A. by herself. And then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, why don't you watch Notting Hill? It's great. I think you'll like it. Hey. And she's like, oh, I've never seen it. I'm like, you've never seen it? I was going crazy, obviously. That being, you know, the best movie ever made. Well, clueless, clearly. But um, 
And then all of a sudden she's like, I'll watch it tonight. And she tells me, I, I'm not going to watch it tonight. There's an earthquake. I'm terrified. I'm like, oh, my God. Are you kidding? An earthquake? That's all we need. Well, that's just perfect. Oh, yes, an earthquake and then cicadas, you know, the locusts. We are really, truly, as I said last week, going through every plague over the Passover Seder. <laughs> every single plague is coming to life. I mean, this is, you you have to laugh at it at this point. I, this is insane. This is so fucked up. I mean, this is crazy. Defunding the police. Are you people out of your mind? What the fuck would we do? You you know, you, your protests started all the looting. I'm not saying that, the, you know, the looting is a cause of the protests. Uh, we don't know whether there'd be looting if nobody did anything. There probably would be. There's always a bunch of troublemakers. What the fuck would we do if the police weren't around? Are you people crazy? Yeah. There's a couple of real bad apples. Does the police force need to be probably retooled and reschooled? Maybe. But defunding them or not having the police? Are you guys out of your goddamn mind? So you just want the looters to continue. So de Blasio, who's obviously Mayor de Blasio here in the city, nobody likes him. They're complaining that he put in a curfew. Well, what the fuck do you want? Thank God he put in the curfew. He's trying to stop looting, people throwing rocks and endangering people's lives. That curfew has completely helped. And people are breaking curfew and then saying, fuck the mayor, are you, they're putting us on curfew. Are you out of your mind? That's what has to happen when you break the rules. You got to do something. I mean, thank God he probably saved a bunch of lives and uh, and a lot of store owners that you know might not be able to build if they're stolen and all this stuff in this time. I mean, this mayor is a, he's stupid and his daughter got arrested. I don't know why they're so angry at him. His daughter got arrested for protesting. Isn't that what you want? He married a black woman. What are you angry at this guy for? I mean, I don't like the guy, but now you're mad at this guy? He's completely on your side, you weirdos. Oh, my God. And, you know, it's just so funny. I mean, there's so much to say and there's so much to do. And, you know, it's like you got you to gotta be smart. You gotta, and some people just got to keep their mouth shut. Like Drew Brees. Oh, my God. Drew Brees is the greatest example of a guy who's such a living legend in New Orleans, in in the state of Louisiana, and in football, that all he needed to do was get through one final year of his career without opening his mouth. (laughs) I mean, it's it's hilarious. The guy says, you know, uh, I'll never, you know, he's talking about Colin Kaepernick and, and the kneeling at the National Anthem. And, of course, everybody's bringing up Colin Kaepernick. What a genius he is. Now, I've told you before my story on Colin Kaepernick. I love that he was kneeling. I thought it was great. Does Do I think it's great that he's kneeling against the police? No. But I loved the silent protest. I have told you before, and people get very angry, and I never should have said this on Fox News, which I did. But I said, yeah. I don't care if you stand for the I don't think you should have to stand for the flag. I always was angry at ball games. They make me stand for the flag or somebody says, hey, get up. I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. That's what makes this country great. Do I have respect for the flag and the people that serve the flag? Of course I do. But I will show my respect when I want to. I mean, this is, I'm an American. I can do whatever I want. So, yeah, I guess it's showing a little disrespect if I don't feel like standing 
you know, during a football game, and I'm standing, and and it's and, and it's wartime or whatever. With that, I mean, that's different. If I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not respecting the flag when I want to just. I I got a lot of problems with. I'm I'm hoping that we're all gonna we're gonna win, so I win some money, and it's a bunch of jerk offs playing sports. Come on, who gives a shit? So I've always said I don't care if he kneels; it doesn't bother me in the least. You know, and and the silent protest is, it, and this is a great silent protest. You know, but plus. They don't put the national anthem on TV anyway. So what's the difference? But now everybody's like Colin Kaepernick was a genius. And now the NFL looks stupid because they kind of blacklisted him. Love that term now. So weird. And they and now they, they just look stupid. I mean, the NFL, they got to but it's all black guys. And that's what Drew Brees is like saying. All he, all he was saying was I'll never respect anybody that doesn't respect our flag. That kneels. He was really angry. But don't say that now. Are you crazy? You work with all black guys. You're the one white guy in a team. Now, I don't think any of his teammates think he's prejudiced in any way. And what he has done for that town single-handedly, especially during Hurricane Katrina, the monies he'd offer, the hope he's bought to a lot of people that lost their homes and stuff, and now they just turn on him after one thing. But he's stupid. He's a dumb football player, and he obviously lost his mind. And there's no reason to speak out now, you know, dummy. Just, just keep your mouth shut. You got one more year to go, and you'll be a living legend of football. You'll be a, a Vince Lombardi status of greatness if you just shut up. But I guess he felt he needed to, needed to say something, just like during Hurricane Katrina. The people need the voice of hope, just like uh, just like Joshua said he needed to see Moses. That the people give the people hope. Meanwhile, as it turns out, as I've discovered in my. Uh, Finally, uh, after all these years, that Moses was was a dope. And I would never look to that guy for hope. He's a fucking moron. Again, if I'm sitting there and I'm one of the Jews walking around the desert for 40 years, I don't want to see this guy again if I had just found out that he could have been the prince of Egypt and solved all of this within a matter of time a very progressive way. What an asshole. All right, we've already been over that 100 times. I'm totally down on Moses. Now... The the so 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 uh yeah Drew Brees so here's another girl Olivia Jade another fucking idiot who just just keep your mouth shut are you out of your goddamn mind this is the woman who uh you know the daughter of Lori Laughlin who's just had her whole life turns out that she had this perfect life all she needed to do was not go to college and just you know, brand her brand, do whatever she did lead a privileged life that her mother single-handedly ruined by forcing her to go to college of something she didn't want to do. And she writes on Sunday, May 31st, only a few days ago, as a person who was born into privilege based on my skin color and financial situation. Now, you know what? If you're going to write that right there, are you out of your goddamn mind? Why would anyone want to hear what you have to say during this time, this is where I say white people are just so fucking retarded. You don't need to speak. You know what I'm saying? Just keep your mouth shut. And then, you know, you, you just show you're not prejudiced by just not being prejudiced. You know, we don't need to hear from Olivia Jade. I was not always aware that these issues were still so present. And that makes me feel awful. But that also fuels me. I'm not racist. See, never say that. If you say I'm not racist, you usually are. 
You can't say to yourself you're not racist. You need one of your friends to say, Olivia Jade isn't racist. You can't come out and say I'm not racist. I've never done that, obviously, because I am racist, as all of my black friends will tell you. Uh, my, my couple of black friends, Sherrod and Marina, they're always like, just got so racist, you know, but the, the, the people at my old job, uh, my friend Ray used to work there, they all knew I was racist, but it was like a funny race. Like, it's not funny, but they all kind of got it. Like, I didn't really care. It was just being honest. You know, this is, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm confused about my, when it comes to having black friends or whatever. I'm just being fucking honest, you know? I don't care. It's on a case-by-case basis. You know, I mean, that's that's the way it comes out. It's a case-by-case basis. And yes, I am racist. I will say, you know, I'm like, I don't like this guy. And I'll probably say, I don't like this guy. Well, not because he's black. I just don't like this guy. But then I, but I'll use the term. I mean, you just, that's the way you do it when you don't like people. You, you use their ethnicity, especially when you're driving. I dare any of the people protesting, if you get cut off, by a guy wearing a, um, you know, a Hasidic hat and the tails are the, you know, or a yarmulke. You're going to say these fucking Jews. You're going to say that. You're going to say these fucking Asian. When you get cut off by a car, that is when your racism comes out. That is when it all splits second moment. You're not thinking and you get cut off. That is when it comes out. I promise you any of these protests you're driving a thing, their racism will come out. Everybody's racist about something. And. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so wait, she goes, I've never been racist, but I need to speak up about this. Oh, my God, right? It's just getting worse and worse because just not being racist isn't enough. It outrages me. This is a privileged, privileged girl who didn't even need to go to college because she was already making like millions of dollars just showing girls how to put on makeup and being just blessed with gorgeous looks. It makes me feel sick. It brings me to tears. And then in capital letters, there should not be such a gap between people like this. We need to support and stand up and speak and use our white privilege to stop this. Well, all of a sudden, this girl became the stupidest person on the planet. Why would you write something like that? Now, on the flip side of that, being 22 or however old she is, 20, 21, you just don't know. You don't know. I used to write. You know, it's kind of great, actually. Again, if I run for Manhattan Borough President, you look this up. I used to write op-ed pieces for the Daily News in the 80s, in the 80s, when there was this civil unrest in the 80s. Don't think this is a new thing. This happens every couple of years or so. Um, I know I'm doing the Godfather line, but this every five years, it cleans out the old... But no, this happens all the time. There's an incident, there's protest, there's marches. I've been through this city a hundred times. This is why Mayor Dinkins was elected and they got rid of Koch because he was black. And as we've talked about this a hundred times... Mayor Dinkins got elected because he was black during a time just like this, and he was the worst, one of the one of the worst mayors we've ever had, but now de Blasio has blown him away. But he was a horrible mayor, and I have told you before. So so me saying that, of course, uh, you know, people that are crazy and stupid will say, oh, he's being racist because he doesn't like Mayor Dinkins because he's black. Of course, that's not the case. The case was he was a bad mayor. It's documented he was not a good mayor. He never should have been elected to mayor, but because of the time, he was elected to mayor. But as I said, Obama is a great example. He's a good man, but he wasn't the best president. But he's clearly a good man, a good person. And when I finally got to meet Mayor Dinkins 
at, uh, <laughs> of all things, uh, Abe Vigoda's funeral, this guy was the greatest guy I've ever met. I mean, this is a guy who, if I, if he had told me before he had run that he was running, I'd be like, yeah, I'm totally with this guy. He's fuck, he's fantastic. This guy's amazing. But you know, you just don't know how people are going to be sometimes. Sometimes niceness and pleasantry can come off as awesome. And yeah, should have this guy run. He's terrific. Look at this guy. You just don't know how people are going to win. I mean, that's the way I'm going to win. Manhattan Burr President. Hey, what a great guy. He's honest. He tells it like it is. Hey, we like that. And then, you know, I just, the city burns to the ground under my tutelage. No, that's not under my regime <laughs> of something of a, of a, a position that no one knows exists. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's fucking great seeing all these people that I know in their posts and like, we have to, all the white people I'm talking about, right? Not like one, you know, if Marina Franklin is going to post something, uh, I'm like, yeah, good for you. Good for you, know, whatever. And, and it's funny because I think Sherrod has basically kept his mouth shut. It's like the black people I know, have, they're not really, but the white people are nonstop posting and posting. And, and the thing is for me, so there's a couple comics. I'm like, I'm watching, you know, what you're posting. And I'm just, and that day that was supposed to be a blackout, I tweeted three things because I tweet every Tuesday and Wednesday, you know, I have it prepared. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not blacking my square. I'm not, I am not being bullied into what I need to do. And I didn't post anything uh, bad, just stupid stuff. I said, uh, I think one of the tweets was people, people, we have to get our priorities straight. Um, please make sure that the Baker and the beauty is kept on the air on ABC. Um, let's make sure there's another season. I think we're all forgetting the end game here. Uh, you know, that's hilarious stuff. But if somebody was mad that I was tweeting, I didn't tweet a black square that day. Go fuck yourself. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be bullied into how I respond to a situation. It's the same thing with the flag and people behind me will go, hey, stand up for the flag. I'm like, go fuck yourself. You can't tell me what to do. I'm an American citizen here. It's a free country. If it was disrespectful because it's a family function or a funeral, that's something different. But this wasn't, I didn't feel this was disrespectful at a Jets game that I don't feel like standing for the national anthem, a song which I don't agree with anyway. I'm with the people on that to change it. It's stupid. I definitely don't want it to be born to run by Bruce Springsteen. People, oh, that was the New Jersey anthem I think they were making. Anyway, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I just, I will not be bullied. I will not be bullied. And when I see these laughable comics that are bullying white comics, uh, people who are a little more susceptible to where their careers could have a problem if they're younger, uh, these guys are a bunch of assholes. Um, I don't remember the guy's name, but I definitely want to – I'll get it next time, I think, because I, I'd like to call him out uh, because that ain't cool. You can't just get mad at all white comics – um, and I'm talking about the young ones that I hang out with just because you happen to be black and you're a horrible comic. That's a dick move. And that's not the way this is supposed to work. And that's why everything is fueled out of control because everybody's confused. You know, also the other thing with the uh, Minnesota guys. Now, the guy that murdered George Floyd, now he needs to go to jail. I mean, that's. Everything's all bad about that, right? Okay, so, of course, does everybody have the facts straight? Was he resisting arrest? Uh, you know, there's a, there's like, there was a guy that was witnessing said he wasn't resisting arrest at all. Well, it's just a guy witnessing. We, we all don't still know the exact facts. Why would that guy arrest him? The guy saying he can't breathe, why don't you get up? We don't know. We don't know the facts, facts. 
you know, I'm always, you know, we don't know the whole story of everything. That guy was, that old man was shoved in Buffalo by the police. I'm like, do we know the story? I mean, the police are just as terrified as everybody else. They don't, if this guy was approaching him, even to shake his hand and they're saying, sir, please step back, sir, please step back. And he won't do it because he almost wants to get shoved to make the police look foolish. This is the situation we're dealing with where nobody's taking the police sides. Not everybody's like this asshole in Minnesota. But the thing is, what I'm saying about the other guys that they arrested, and it's so fucked up. I had heard, and I don't know whether it's true, but one of the guys who was arrested who was standing around doing nothing might have been two days on the job. I heard it was like a second day. I don't know whether this is true. I need to look it up. It's like I just don't even want to look that stuff up anymore because it's just like it's annoying. Anyway, let's just say that it was. Let's just say that one of these guys, uh, one of those three guys that were just hanging around or two guys was a rookie. And the guy who murdered George Floyd is, is his boss. What do you do then? It's exactly the exact same situation as the movie and play A Few Good Men. What does... What do these soldiers do that were told by Jack Nicholson to, um, you know, when they knew he was weak, but they said, you know, teach him a lesson anyway. But these black soldiers, which I think is based on a true story, were, uh, you know, arrested because they could have done something, but they're taught to follow orders. And if they don't follow orders, as Jack Nicholson was saying, countries crumble. And, you know, there it is. What does this guy do? To his boss, does he say, boss, I think he's had enough. If your boss, it's your second day. Uh, that's a confusing conundrum if that's the case. Uh, so, you know, I mean, just people, you just got to hear the facts first. But people just like to go out and immediately rally. They're having a good time. I just found out my nephew went to one of these rallies in New Jersey where they live to, go to walk in Westfield, New Jersey where there is not one black person, which means that people are just now doing it for just social effort. You know, I, 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 I'm sure my nephew's not prejudiced in any way. I, I really don't think he is. I don't, uh, he wasn't brought up that way, but he's definitely going for the social aspect of it. His friends were all there. What's he supposed to do? So now people are just going to protest marches for the social aspect of it. Uh, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it live. I'll tell you in a second. There, there's dancing. There's singing. It's a good time. Uh, it's weird. It's confusing. It's perplexing to figure out to uh, download all this uh, information. You know, all these white people marching. It's wonderful, I guess, to march for black people when there's no black people in your town. It's a little odd. It's a little odd. And then um, there were a couple of parents who were calling my sister out for not being there. This is what I'm talking about, the bullying. I am not marching in a protest because I am not marching against the police. I stopped doing the 7 o'clock thing because I feel like somehow now it's saying, you know, fuck the police. I, I don't know. I will never do that. I'll never say fuck the police. Do I say fuck a couple real bad assholes? Absolutely. But no way, man. The police have a. I now have now witnessed what's happening uh, firsthand. Well, I'll just tell you the story. I guess on uh, Wednesday, uh, I'm going to have Rachel uh, Feinstein on in a couple of seconds, um, actually, uh, to talk about just um, 
you know, her baby, she just had the baby and everything. So I'm going to have her on. And, uh, yeah, so I got to see the baby. I went to Brooklyn, uh, last week. I took the bike. I, I must have traveled between bike and the motorcycle and walking, uh, about like 15 miles or maybe more. I don't know. It was a long day, but it was great. I think this is on a Wednesday and saw the baby and Rachel and her husband and, Went back over the bridge, went to Attell's. Now, Attell, David Tell had invited me, Russman Eve, Nick Griffin, and uh, outside Steve from the cellar to his apartment. Now, this never happens. He, it was Thursday. That's why I remember now. He invited us to his apartment. We were going to hang out on the roof, uh, have a couple of drinks, maybe water a pizza. He said there's a guy that blows a uh, trumpet or something at 7 o'clock. So this is what we're going to do. And then, of course, we have to get home in time for curfew. Well, that kind of screwed up anything, any, everything anyway. But I was supposed to go to my friend Lee Maracas's, maybe to his uh, house upstate um, for the first time ever. They keep inviting me. like, yeah, maybe I'll come Thursday. I'm not doing nothing. And then when Attell invited us over, I'm like, you know, this is never going to happen again. Only during national emergencies would Attell ever invite anyone over. I mean, this is a miracle, people. Trust me. So we get there around 4 o'clock. You know, I, take, I go all the way from Queens, take the bike down to his house. And uh, we're like, so are we going on the roof? He's like, no, no, I thought we'd walk over to the West Village. And we're like, what? And I definitely didn't want to walk anymore. And everybody's like, wait, I thought we were going to the roof. No, I thought you guys wanted to go to the West Village. It's like, none of us wanted to go to the West Village. Nobody said that. So I don't know what he was talking about. He was walking like 50 miles ahead. We had some iced coffees. He's walking like 50 miles ahead. I don't even think he wants to be with us. We're not sure why he invited us over in the first place. And we go down to the Comedy Cellar, which actually was kind of cool because I had never been down in that area in the daylight. Since, you know, for three months, I kept going at nighttime, which was terrifying. In the daylight, it was a lot better. And we went past, we took a picture in front of the cellar, which, of course, is boarded up. Everything's boarded up. It's like a hurricane just came. I went down 57th Street, so I took the car to Jersey on Tuesday. Everything's boarded up. You know, like if we're in Florida when a hurricane's coming, it's really weird. All the diamond stores and, you know, nice things on 57th Street and Fifth Avenue, Tiffany's, all boarded up. It was It was crazy. And we go down to the West Village. We go to my bar, which was, you know, open for curbside stuff. We got a couple of drinks and then walked to Washington Square Park to hang around. And I was like, oh, but he made a joke at first. He goes, uh, let's go find a protest. You know, like we we're joking. But we did uh, because every night they seemed to, I guess, rally at Washington Square Park. And we're like idiots that like were sitting there. But we're sitting on this side area. Thank God. And all of a sudden, exactly at six, they're all congregating. Now, this was. I was getting a little nervous, but it was a nice, peaceful protest. Again, mostly white people. That's the weird part about it, though. And but and let me tell you also this, definitely half and half with masks. So that's the other thing. These people have just forgotten about the virus and they're just going out. And I heard yesterday there was a big a big spike, again, which makes so much sense. After three months of kind of it coming down, big spike again with all these people Think about it, yelling and screaming, which is what, you know, it makes it worse. Yelling, screaming, and singing. You know, people are spitting out stuff. You're not going to be able to scream with those masks on. You're not going to get your point hurt. So that's spreading the virus around again. This is a fucking disaster, but what are you going to do? And maybe people are just protesting because they really just want to go outside and be with other people. Maybe they're just, maybe it's a combination of protesting against what their beliefs and like, well, this will get me out of the house. I'm protesting against the quarantine. I can't take it anymore. Let's just all go outside. So the whole thing's fakakta. 
But we're sitting in the park. We're having a good time. It's a beautiful day. I mean, absolutely beautiful. It's 7 o'clock now, or maybe it's about to be 7. And uh, Atel and Russ, like, Russ go into the crowd. They're like, oh, let's see what's going on. I'm like, yeah, I'll see you guys later. Because I'm nervous about getting home. They cut off the city bikes. They cut off the motorcycles. You can't ride any of them at 6 o'clock. They cut them off for protest pur- purposes. So they don't want people riding bikes in them and stuff, I guess, or whatever. Uh, so I know I got to walk home. And I'm already, you know, already kind of on the east side of the park. So I'm like, well, I'll just go uptown and I'll walk. Now, I'm definitely not going into the protest crowd. And Nick and I... Oh, so, so Nick and I walk up fifth avenue and we get to union square there's another protest there but again we're on the outskirts of it so it's not disturbing me i don't know if they ended up walking somewhere which did disturb people but you know they were let the traffic go and everything so i think everything was okay but there's a bunch of police hanging around union square obviously because there was that was a big trouble point a couple days ago and these uh black kids are right and it wouldn't matter who it was they're all on bicycles and they're on the sidewalk kind of making trouble and they go up to the police. We're, we're right by them. They almost, you know, ran into us. And uh, and they pretend like they're smoking joints right in front of the police. They are completely disrespecting the police right in front of the police because they think this is okay to do now. And this really burned me up. You know, I understand black folk don't have any respect for the police, but to see it happen live where they're just disrespecting these guys trying to do their jobs and trying to keep everything at peace so people like me can just walk home i just that was really bad i I was like well he's look at that you know it was crazy meanwhile i was carrying a beer and uh just walking with it and no one cared about that so apparently you can just drink on the street nowadays and nobody gives a shit and you know what they did with plastic bags and they were trying to cut those out they've forgotten about that too the little stuff nobody seems to care about anymore. Thank God. But um, yeah, just uh, and we walked up Fifth Avenue. It was eerie. Everything's boarded up. There was big police presence for looters. You know, they looted the Sephora place. I mean, that is just who's looting Sephora? What kind of criminals are these? Sephora. That was odd. But um, yeah. And then I went home, and I think I had a pizza. Oh, no, maybe I had baked ziti. Mm. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> but, yeah, now we got to get home by 8 o'clock because it's fucking terrifying outside after 8 o'clock. So my neighbor, Michelle, I was helping her walk her dog. She's like, will you come out with me at 9 because, you know, I, I got to walk the dog, and it's after curfew, and I'm a little nervous. I said, sure. So I think this was on Tuesday, the first day of the curfew. We went out, and uh, it was terrifying. In the sense of just its silence, there was no one out. There was nobody on the Queensboro Bridge. And we walked around the block, and it was scary. Anybody that was out, it was scary. You know, what are they doing out? What are we doing out? Well, we're walking a dog, you know, whatever, which you're not even supposed to do that. But I guess we took our chance. Just walked around the block. And then we walked back up to, you know, First Avenue just to kind of, like, soak it in. And I said, you know, we could video this. And nobody would understand. You you wouldn't be able to get the eeriness of the silence in New York City at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday in a video. You you just wouldn't get it. It wouldn't wouldn't be like the feel you're getting with it live. It's eerie. 
But I believe the curfew, besides the people that crashed the curfew on purpose, they're so angry about the curfew, which is insane. You know, you could protest at four in the afternoon and be home by eight. I I don't see what cutting the curfew is. I'm not sure what message that's sending, but yeah, every night now, you know, it's been messing up my eating habits because I usually would order or start cooking like later, but now it's like I have to make sure I order by five or six o'clock because got to be by eight o'clock you gotta be locked in indoors you can't go i mean it's it's scary a little bit it's just uh i'm taping this on sunday today's the last day of the curfew so i guess we'll see what happens and things are supposed to be opening up and that's the funny thing too just as everything was about to it was lightening up things were opening up and then this happens but uh as i was um i'll tell you uh, yesterday well, you know what? Let's um. I'll tell you what. Why don't we uh, uh, play? I, I talked to Rachel. Let's uh, let's let's do something uplifting about somebody who just gave birth um, to a, a nice, lovely, healthy baby girl uh, in all this mess, and and have a few laughs with uh, Rachel Feinstein. I think. Um, let me just get. Her. I think I have her on the phone. All right. Look who's on the uh, the telephone, the old fashioned telephone. Our friend Rachel Feinstein. Everybody. Hello, Rachel. Woohoo! <laughs> Ray, I'm now going to refer to you as Mother Feinstein. Fair, fair, fair enough. <laughs> Which is what um, my mother's brother's wife, you know, the horrible Aunt Rita who left us nothing in the will, used to. I like her. I like what? her. Shut up! What do you know about anything? And she used Sorry, to say. It's just that she called me, she didn't know what to do, and I tried <laughs> to give her impartial advice. Well, that was horrible advice. That's so mean. She was horrible to my mother and and her mother, my grandmother. We call her Mother Reitman. Now look here, Mother Reitman. So I'm going to call you Mother Feinstein. No, Rita did sound like a notorious wench. I only agreed with her. I I didn't like the way she treated the rest of the family. Only that you, I agree with her that you were a bad apple. <laughs> How but dare don't you? Don't let that spoil the bunch. I said. Rita. How dare you talk to me that way? Now that I am your your baby's <laughs> uncle. She is, uh, yeah, she does sound like a legendary wench, but I did like that move of only taking you out of the will. The rest of the family I wanted in. <laughs> well, Beth got caught in the crossfire, too. You know, my sister. Yeah, poor Beth. But uh, listen, I'm your baby's uncle now, so you have to treat me better. I also was involved with the naming of the baby, so, you know, you can't treat me this way anymore. It's very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I did say to my brother, I was like, the only person that doesn't like the name is David Jessica. He's like, that's a really good sign. That means that's what you need to name her. Well, that's why I will be calling her Francois. It's a much more polite name for a lady. Anyway, I got to see the uh, the baby in question yesterday. Rachel is a new mom. And uh, the reason why I wanted to talk to her on the podcast, I mean, you know, we talked to her when she was pregnant. But she gave birth and everything is good. And to have a baby in this environment, I mean, including all the... The unbelievable pile on the stuff. <laughs> I mean, this is a miracle, and you seem to be in very good spirits. You're obviously really happy, and that baby is the cutest baby I might have ever seen. She is pretty adorable. Yeah, she. Um, we did. Uh, I was very was very conscientious. I waited till Jessica had a negative Corona test. I was sure you were <laughs> rancid with Corona, but you were just a neurotic Jew. Right. And we did a distance park thing. Just yeah. want to say that in case my mother's listening. Oh right, um, um, 
because well, I first was, of all, if your mother's listening to this podcast, right? yes, you were. But if your mother's listening to this podcast, you have other problems. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, no, you were very. We did a distant. We went to the park yesterday and um, did a distant. We were distant. Yes, but I got to see the baby in person, and she was uh, very cute. Pretty good baby, right? She hung pretty hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were there for hours. Where normally, when you have a, a fresh baby, as that's the way I refer to them, um, you have to leave within fifteen minutes because the baby makes problems. But we were there for like two hours. Yeah, she was very reasonable. She told me when we left that she had some grave concerns about you, but I thought it was really discreet <laughs> that she waited. That is very polite. <laughs> yeah, my cat used to do the exact same thing when I left the room. That was her first words. I was wondering what they would be, but she said, that man is toxic and I have grave concerns. I was like, wow, what big, big words for a two-week-old baby. Yeah, it's odd. How about those uh, those kids running around I had to take care of, teach them a lesson, but then made up with them? That's the key. It's so funny to watch you interact with children because your mind works pretty similarly to them. And uh, and also Jessica's, but yet Jessica does get suspicious of kids, and it's it's funny. Um, you get really suspicious of kids sometimes <laughs> and old people, uh, which I find really interesting. Like really old people that are outside walking gently walking their dogs. I remember you told that woman <laughs> that she seems pretty suspicious. Uh, I believe she was like 78 outside her own building walking a dog. That woman like, is yeah, suspicious, like it. it turns out. you know. Um, and quite frankly, those kids were very suspicious as well. They were troublemakers. I knew it right it away. It was a little weird. One kid came over and imitated the baby like he walked near the blanket, and uh, and he was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot like, about that. That was creepy. <laughs> it was very strange. Like He was heckling, heckling the baby, which yeah. I thought was messed up. Yeah, that was messed up. And, of course, they weren't there with their mother. They were there with a the nanny, and they were just running around and with no care right. for anyone or any virus in the world. <laughs> the cop... The comedy seller has sent me these bibs of Norton, Keith, uh, I believe right before he was eliminated from Star Search, Keith <laughs> Robinson. Um, so she and uh, Colin Quinn and uh, who were the other comics? Oh, Todd Berry. So she's and Sam all Morell. deviants right now because that's so it's really satisfying as I burp or I watch her. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't make the uh, the bib. I'm kind of upset about I know. That. But that's yeah, a really that was, great gift. Yeah, that I mean, look. I would have loved to have a Jessica. We can make that happen, though. <laughs> well, I could also do the one where I get eliminated off Star Search. We can make a collection. Okay, that's right. You are eliminated. Who was your, who was your um, rival again? Uh, a guy you? named Paul Gilmartin, who appeared uh, for 20 years on Dinner and a Movie after that. When, meanwhile, I always say, I got kicked off Star Search and then uh, got fired from my cooking show, got canceled. And this guy... Beat me on Star Search and had a successful cooking show for 20 years. I believe it was the great Lawrence Lerman that tasted your cooking and said, you know what? This isn't half bad. Uh, it's all bad. That's right. And that single-handedly <laughs> sabotaged the entire show. I'm still mad at him to this day. Well, I can't really be that mad, but uh, it's kind of my own fault, too, obviously. I'm a troublemaker. Yes. You are. You're no good. And back then, you know, I was just like, yeah, it's my own show. What's up, everybody? You all people suck. <laughs> Get real drunk and show up and be like, what's up? <laughs> we, me and uh, Danny Vermont, we tortured the producer of that show. <laughs> we were such dicks. I can't even imagine what you'd be like on a show. Like, I mean, you 
kicked me out of your apartment. But you had uh, that coming. Remember, you called me a twat and you told me to leave. And you remember? Come on, please. Don't act like you don't remember. I'm sorry. I, that doesn't ring a bell at all. I'm sorry, Rachel. I believe it was, I went to the first, I think I might have discussed this on the podcast before, but your listeners will probably attest to that. But um, I don't know who they are. Was it two girls in Finland? But um, she, uh, <laughs> Shut <up>. you, <laughs> no, um, it was like, I had gone to the first. Uh, showing of the cars, the turbocharged cars movie, and then I got a gig on the road, and I couldn't come to the second um, screening. And I believe you called me a cunt and a twat, and and um and then you there was also something else going on. I think because uh, you were betting, and it wasn't going going your way. So you got that solemn look that you get when when football's not really going in your direction. And then you went into the to the bedroom, and you came out, and you were like, ah, you twat, get out. <laughs> I mean. I don't remember any of that, but I mean, it's not like any of my listeners would ever not believe your story. It all, it all does add up. And that face is probably the exact same face your baby makes when she's making a big duty. Um, yes, yes. It's like this this cloud comes over you. I mean, it's so classic. It's yeah. just like, it's almost hacky. Just like this classic gambler's you know, cloud. And then you start screaming at everybody. It's like a cartoon. I don't want to think about crowd. it with sports coming back. I'm very nervous. It's been really wonderful not uh, gambling. I wonder if it's helped a lot of people. A lot of, like, well, the, other... Yeah. I assume it has, but I mean, the key, but then, you know, you see those pictures of Las Vegas... And the places are packed, and uh, you're like, well, I guess it's helped nobody. The the couple of casinos that opened, they're all packed. Packed, right. And, right. They're, and they're just sitting there. Some are wearing masks. Some aren't. And, it's, and, and where are they getting the money to gamble? I mean, these are not people in tuxedos. They're clearly people that have no clothing fashion sense and clearly just don't have money to gamble. But are they're probably the ones that are saying, you know what would be a good idea to make money? Going right. to Vegas. No, that's what they're saying. And they're believe me, I know party. those people because, yeah. well, I am one of those people. I am completely I know, one of those you people. You talk like on the old Twilight episodes when they had the gambling. Like, no, this is big. I got it all figured out. Yeah, yeah. On what? Tw- Twilight? Sorry, Twilight Zone. They had oh, an Twilight episode Zone. about I thought you were talking about the movie. <laughs> about, a, about this, like, degenerate gambler. I was like, he talks just like you. You're like, no, no, this time it's different. I got it all figured out. Oh, it's so true. It's like, I know it's so cliche, but I, I fall for it every time. I really think if I put in $1,000 on one bet, I got a feeling, and then I could just keep upping it, you know? Just sure. take that winning. Like really good idea. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about you. Right. Let's talk about okay. how you're, uh, you know, handling this situation. I mean, actually, as, as luck would have it, it turns out that, you know, this virus and the comedy clubs being closed is a lot easier on your brain and your head you're not missing out on anything you have time to spend with the kid i mean it's, it's yeah, kind of funny I will isn't say it in that sense uh it is if the timing works out like a charm um because yeah i can i can get i mean i can't I, I that was what i was afraid of like fear missing out on everything you know of course and get my body back gotta get my body back but um, I don't know what that was. Uh, I know what that was. And quite frankly, it's funny because, you know, you look exactly the same as when I saw you while you were pregnant. So I didn't even notice to say, like, you look great or anything because you look exactly the same. You've never looked pregnant to me. I know you've tried to hide it. And it, it's yes, masterful. Like 
And uh, <laughs> and uh, no, you look terrific. It's uh, as if the whole thing never happened. It's it's fantastic. It's amazing. Your face never gained weight at all. So you know, and I, you know, you you hide it well, I guess, or you did, and now you look back to normal. Whatever well, normal that's is. All I, that's all I want to hear. I know that's so all you want to hear, but it's any true. News about the health of me or my child, I just want to hear you look the same. You, you know? do. It's I'm a real. Real speaking of twats, I'm a real twat. That's all I want to hear. Well, that's, it's like, funny. Oh, like when we when we had your uh, baby shower on uh, Zoom, you know, you were that was everybody so was fun. yeah, it was so much fun. But everybody was asking you to get up and turn around. Let me see. You turned up and like it just you just didn't see a difference unless you pulled up your you know dress and we saw the bump. That would be the only way we'd be able to tell you were pregnant. You it, it was a it was kind of a bummer because it's such a small square. You just couldn't see any action. <laughs> it was. I knew. I knew how to hide it. I mean, I was up to all kinds of trickery, you know. But, yeah, but uh, at that point, it seems like you know, with two weeks to go, it's uh, it's all right to show off. But yeah, I guess you didn't want any memory of it whatsoever, <laughs> in case that baby shower makes the rounds of YouTube. I have a couple sad photos, but like inside our apartment, like I'm standing in front of like a coat rack because like no, but we we stopped going out once I was really showing. It was like that. Yeah, there was. We were all in quarantine, so. I, I didn't take any. I mean, not that I would have taken some sort of delicate photo shoot. It's not my speed. I mean, I can't. I, can't, I would just feel like a, a complete asshole taking some sort of like cradling myself photo when I was really pretty pissed the entire time. I wasn't into it. I was afraid I wouldn't connect with the baby, but it turned out I loved her. It would be so awkward if I didn't. Isn't that I funny? Like you were. I have to tell the truth if I didn't love her because I would want to blurt it out and be like, guess what? Like, I don't love her. But um, I just could be interesting, fun facts. Um, but it turned out I loved her right away. Thank God. I was really yeah, afraid. Because, like, they, they show you the sonogram pictures. It doesn't seem real. Just right. Just some weird, you know, like, none of it seemed real. And, yeah, and I was, like, wildly uncomfortable. And, and then I was like, oh, God, this is going to be so awkward if I don't love her and have to pretend. And and then people say things to you I didn't relate to. Like, people are like, are you excited? You're going to be a mom. You're going to be a mom. Which just felt, like, really condescending to me, even though it's just a kindly sentiment. I was like, fuck you. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, thank God. I, I really immediately loved her because that would have been so strange. Yeah, I think we were all, we, you and I had talked about that before, and we were all pretty sure this was going to work out okay. And uh, obviously Pete uh, thinks the world of this kid, which we've seen in the photos and what you've told me. So that's even more important. Yeah, he's uh, he's really good with her. He's uh, he's pretty obsessed. He's like little foy foyda. Um, so he's into it. Uh, thank God. And um, his mom was like, Peter needs a girl to soften him. That's what he needs. My son needs a girl. If he was a boy, he would push him too much. But with a girl, she can do whatever she wants. That's what he needs. He needs a little girl to push his heart. So he's uh, yeah, he's all in. I think the funniest character. thing is that um, Pete's mom is actually from Philadelphia. So yes, with that kind true. Of, I just no. wanted to do a fun-loving character because I can't get out and do stand-up anymore. So. Just trying to whore out a new character. That's all I have. Well, well done. And um, how do you feel about your mom's name actually being Karen? Now that everybody hates that name, is that the funniest really, thing of all it time? It's really or? fun that she is that white lady, and she is. I mean, she's she is like. Well, she's kind of opposite of the Karen they do, but she's the tr- liberal that tries. Well, that's the funny arm, thing. She's you know? the exact opposite. Like, you you know, you've been brought up on a complete, like, opposite of way I was brought up or most people where uh, your dad was, wasn't he a civil rights lawyer? 
Yeah, he prosecuted KKK <laughs> cases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and your mom was all on board with the uh, equal rights and all that stuff as well, right? I mean, it's amazing. She you were... majored in African history with a minor in Black Studies, and she's a social worker in the inner city. I mean, yeah, they—they—that's all they talked about. Our house was all like you know, civil rights posters and like see Biko did you know, not die before in vain, it was coffins, and yeah. way before it was fashionable. You know, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the we amazing thing. Only on, it, on that. Yeah, it was all just like so I, following quotes. And yeah, when I heard that. that they were going to call these people, Karen, I felt bad for your mom because she's the exact opposite of that. And I, I did feel bad. But, she's, I mean, she I mean, I don't think she I don't I probably doesn't reach her. But right. by the way, you know, that picture you have of, of your, your you trying to FaceTime with your mom where it's just like the corner of her ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, I just I, I have to text you because I FaceTime with my parents and it was literally only like the top of her helmet hair <laughs> and maybe like an earring. And, like that was it the entire time. I'm like, Mom, put your face in the thing. And she constantly thinks. Her phone is doing things to her. We, she was like, I, my phone doesn't get the massive text messages instead of mass text. She calls them massive. Um, she's like, it only gets individual pictures. So whatever you send of the baby, please send me individually because it was attacked by a virus. <laughs> what you're saying makes sense. That's oh great. my god, it's exhausting. She's always like, I. She wanted to give me something for the baby, uh, like a changing table, and she was like. Uh, this website is attacking my credit card. I'm like, that's not, that's not a sentence. That's, you can't say that. You can't allow yourself to finish that sentence. We were fighting on the phone for like a half an hour because she just kept saying it was attacking her card. She's like, I've done this before, Rachel Louise. I have purchased on the interweb. And she's like, this site is attacking my credit score. I'm like, not, shut up. I know, you know, it's funny. I think a lot of fa- sons and daughters would not have a lot of fights with their parents if the parents were just a little bit more knowledgeable about technical technical advances. And I'm saying computers and social media and stuff. If they, if they really just studied a little bit, they could really connect better with their kids. Right, or at least just like admit that you don't know. You know right. Like, instead it's of that. these ludicrous theories. Like, I'm pretty worthless with a lot of stuff, you know? Like, I don't know how to change, like, a PDF into a different kind of document. I never went to call. I know that I'm a wild moron, though. So I just call people. I call you, and I'm like, can you can you change this document into a Word doc or something? But I know I'm an idiot. My mom thinks that people are up to things, and the interwebs are attacking her. And it's like, that's what I can't handle, the ludicrous paranoia. Well, that's why I enjoy your mom's company very much. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love that when you met her, you were like, you got to change that name. It's an, it's an old. Feinstein? What are you doing yourself? <laughs> and then I told Mike, what, were, they, were they staying at a hotel or they weren't? What was it? What did I do? I just they were staying my brother. And you said, what's the problem? You guys don't have any cash? Why, why do you <laughs> have to such stay a your dick. It's place? unbelievable. <laughs> how, such a dick. How are you, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> and it's fascinating because you would do that. You would say that to somebody's mother, but you always get very upset about, like, matters of decorum you're like they should have done this when we came in remember that person that had food out but they didn't take the plastic off the food that would make oh you my angry. god i you was so angry about that that was lisa ullman what's the yeah. problem are you having financial issues yeah. which they probably were <laughs> well, I, well i found that out later i guess i always think everybody's parents especially jewish parents are okay but i guess if you're like a well your dad was no, a lawyer civil but... rights lawyer and a social of course they're not okay right right that's the problem right civil rights lawyer and a social worker right right I just uh, yeah no they they their cars are like jacked up like they buy and then my mom would be like 
and, and also if any person that's not white fixes their car, my mom would be like, Alejandro is a marvelous man. <laughs> uh, we've given him about $20,000 now, and uh, he's not quite fixed the, uh, the brakes yet, but he's almost done. <laughs> I know they're very trusting. They're good people. And we just love Alejandro's family <laughs> so much. So, you, as a matter of fact, um, I guess you know I went out with the boys yesterday, Atel and Russ and Nick, and everybody said, you know, looks like Rachel married the right guy. That's what they were uh, talking about, which was really good. And they were asking questions about you, and you know they were worried and uh, very excited for your new venture into motherhood, which is so crazy. And yet not crazy at all. That's the fascinating thing about these guys. You would think, you know, speaking of deviants, you would think that they wouldn't give a shit. But they both show up for this Zoom baby shower. And then Atel actually texts after to say how nice it was. Writes to the two people that organized it, Yamanika Saunders and Marina Franklin, telling them what a wonderful job they did. Like, it was so cute how many comics showed up. Oh, it I was mean, amazing. And it was... Tell was so hilarious. Remember, he was toasting, and he's like, "You put the woo in Wuhan." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was, it was so. And like, and like, Pete had tried to do. My husband had tried to do like a Zoom thing with his friends, and he was like, "What is this crap? It's boring as shit." So he was like furious because they had a birthday party or something on Zoom, and of course, it was just an awful shit show. And I, and then so. He was like, I'm not doing his shit on Zoom anymore. And then he did the comics baby shower. And it was seriously one of the funniest things I've ever. It was just, you know, Judy Gold and Schumer and Intel. Jessica Curson. Oh, my God. I mean, these people were hilarious. Yeah, she was so funny. Well, remember when we were all muted, Marina muted all of us because she was saying something. Because remember, she had the power, which Sherrod was making fun of. And then when we were unmuted, Jessica just started saying, I had to bring my own shovel to bury my dad. Like, it just, <laughs> as you're coming into the conversation, it was really funny. And she only comics could take that level of, like, insane, wild, unimaginable pain and be hysterical within dates. I tell you, it um, stops me from killing myself on a daily basis having friends like that because that, these are truly the funniest people on the planet, for real. And it's kind of great. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, that baby shower was one of the funniest things. Everybody was, uh, I was dying. They were cracking me up. Jessica showed up with the suit and tie on Zoom. And, <laughs> and then Judy Gold said he looked like he was getting ready for the Watergate hearings. <laughs> You're welcome. I provided about an hour of enjoyment for everybody. <laughs> Just making fun everybody of my tie. Everybody was making fun of your fat, bulbous, 80s tie. <laughs> and I was crying laughing. And then, well, that's and then my like, job. afterwards... Like, Pete was like, I mean, it really did cheer us up. Like, we were both about to take corona tests, which thank God were negative. But if they were positive, we would have had some terrible experience of yeah. being separated from our child or some weird, yeah. like, lone corona birth. And so we were both, like, so nervous also because he's a firefighter and he's not completely inside. Like, he's on light duties or whatever. So, um, and there was, you know, obviously it's not an ideal time. Yeah, uh, Judy right. Gold was like, good timing. Good timing to bring you out of the world. It's a lot. It's very crazy. Um, <laughs> but that's but the yeah, thing. So, but it completely like lifted us up. Yeah. We just laid in bed and watched the whole thing. And Pete was talking about it to his fireman buddies the next day. He's like, yo, it was incredible. He's like, Dave Bartell was hilarious. He's calling <laughs> Dave Bartell. Yeah. <laughs> the best. <laughs> but it was like, it was the best. And he's like, yeah, I guess this Zoom thing is fun. And I'm like, yeah, it's comics. Yeah, as long, right, as, long as you got the right people. It's like I, I do a Shabbat Zoom with my mother and sister every week and Dory, and that's no fun at all. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and it's funny when my mother doesn't know how to use the system. I mean, that is funny every time, but then she gets upset about it. So. That's oh yeah, my thing. mom's seder was such a shit show. She sent us, <laughs> she sent us fifteen separate emails with the Haggadah, like two pages yep. per email. You should have let me run it. We should have just joined our family. I run a very. We should nice have. Seder. That would have been great if we had joined seders. We were going to join in the hospital, but um, I think you invited me to the seder in your ho- the hospital. But I was like hooked up to an IV. I thought I could pull it off, but. Quite all right. Um, you have a lot. You had a lot going on, but the important thing is, in this unbelievable, crazy time, with with every with there's there's all this overlying sickness, and everything. You have a healthy baby. Everything worked out okay, and um, that's the best part of all. And you've been in really good spirits, and that's amazing. I'm really yeah, happy. Yeah, thank you. you so much. Yeah, you're you welcome. Know, all those things everybody says about you, maybe they're wrong. <laughs> no, they're not wrong. They're completely right. No, you should have heard the first I'm, half hour of the I'm podcast. Just messing with you. <laughs> Sam does that every time he talks to me. He plays that game, Sam Morell. He's like, God, you know, I mean, maybe everybody's wrong about you because I think you're great. <laughs> All those people saying that you're like a bad person or up to the thing, like, you know what? I think you're wonderful. <laughs> we ne- that skit never gets old. I'm going to keep defending you because <laughs> I think you're great. <laughs> well, it is my favorite. <laughs> Listen, I love the classics. I love the class. What? Can you tell that baby to shut up? I'm in the middle of a podcast. Jesus. Wait, we might. I might have to go now. No, of course. I was just going to let you go. I didn't want to take your time. I appreciate you spending time just to, you know, talk for a little bit and um, take some time out of your schedule. But please tell that baby to shut up. I can't concentrate. <laughs> that for me is a classic every time. Anyway, Rachel, thank you so much. For talking, I'll, I'll uh, call you later on, okay? Have a okay, great day. Okay, love you, Bye. Bye. Oh, that Rachel's a good time, huh? <laughs> hey, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, she, you know, she's so terrific, and let's just get back, and let's, let's get back, back into the comedy, you know? you know what I'm saying? I mean, too much, uh, you know, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Nothing? What are you going to say? Nothing? I mean, I'm in New York City. Shit happens. I want to tell you that yesterday, I talked to this, um, a friend of mine, Actually, I haven't spoken to her. I haven't heard her voice since 1978. I'll say that. And uh, we went to elementary school and high school together, but she was my sister's age. And I used to go out with her and hang out with her older sister. And uh, for years, I've been uh, Facebooking and saying happy birthday. And this year, um, and she lived uh, down the shore for a while and knew my, uh, was familiar with my old girlfriend and stuff like that. We was talking birthdays. And yesterday, for the first time, since 1978, we spoke on the phone. And, uh, you know, we were just kind of just writing back more and more stuff, which used to be happy birthday, but she had just gotten divorced and he had a bad divorce and stuff. And I was just telling her about stuff. And I guess, you know, and she moved, you know, to Vermont. And, uh, you know, I guess, I don't know. There was just a lot to say. Tough time looking for anything to, you know, do, make the days go. And um, then we decided we would actually talk on the phone, you know, which is a, the, the tough thing to breach when you're going back and forth. And so we um, we talked for three hours yesterday, and it was seamless, well, at least to me, because I'm going to talk for three hours today. So uh, <laughs> it's hard to say if it's normal for other people if, if she was annoyed at some point. Um, obviously I can talk for longer than three hours, but it was, I was going to tape the podcast yesterday. I'm like, well, I already just talked for three hours. I don't know if I can do it again. So I waited a day taping this on Sunday. It's coming out Tuesday, June 9th, June 9th. 
<laughs> my wife. So I was talking to this girl, and she was great. And it's funny because she doesn't get along with her father anymore. And, you know, I just had to tell her, and nobody wants to hear this when they're not getting along with their father, how much her father, ironically, meant to me. I know that's crazy, right? But when I was telling her this thing about the when we were at Great Adventure in 1978 or 9, that her father, who, who she, of course, said, like, oh, yeah, people like my father. He was fun until he met this horrible woman, which it sounds like Uncle C or my friend, you know, um, a pup, couple people that, you know, marry incorrectly. And <clears throat> he... uh so, you, you know, but people's perception, like, people used to love my father. They're like, oh, he's a great guy. And I'm like, what? He's hilarious. What? But, you know, that's – so we went to Great Adventure. And and, and it's funny. I, I didn't want to, you know, make him sound great because I know he's been doing some, you know, awful stuff to her and just treat the way she he's been treating her when she needs some, you know, help. Being divorced and a little sad. Everybody needs their daddy. Um, But this guy – uh, you know, I was going out. We went to Great Adventure. He took me and his kids, which was uh, this girl and, and their brother and my friend. And we went to Great Adventure. And he was just – this is why I remember it. What is it, 40, 50 fucking years ago? This is why I remember it. He was like – I remember he would tell me. like, And I don't even know if this is a Great Adventure. This was like over a period when we would see each other. He would be like, Dave, you know, you're you're a funny guy. You're a nice guy. He would tell me this, right? He said it was funny and he said it was nice. Now, right there – my dad never said that to me. So how would I not like this guy? You know, when he was cool. I mean, I get this is my perception of him. And then there was an incident. He knew I didn't like roller coasters. And uh, obviously, I was, you know, I, a normal man <laughs> would try and show off for these girls. Hey, don't worry about it, right? But I was like, you know, I I would sit a couple out. There's no way I was going on lightning loops, you know, the one that goes upside down. So I sat with the girl I was talking on the phone. I said, well, it was you and me on the bench, right? You didn't go on that either. But the, uh, the three of them went and, uh, you know, that was not for me. And I sat on the bench at the risk of looking like a jackass or a sissy boy. But I didn't, I didn't really care because I was like, I'm like, you know what? I don't need to be a man for this. This is scary as hell. But I went on one of the other roller coasters and it had broken down just before I went on and I went on it anyway. And he's, the, the dad said to me after, he goes, you know, I got to say, that was a really brave thing to do. I like the way you just sit a couple out and then you went on this one, it broke down and you went on it anyway. You like, you know, you're very cool. This this kind of stuff he said to me. I remember this implicitly. Maybe it's not the exact language, but it obviously meant so much to me 40 years ago or whatever, because my dad never said it to me. So it's ironic. I'm talking to this girl and her dad has clearly never said these words to her, but he said it to this random person, which of course makes people angry about their fathers. What are you so great to this guy? <laughs> and that's what my dad used to say to me all the time. Uh, your friend Lawrence is so great. Your friend Chris Regan, wow, he's so smart. All these people, they're so great. You're such an asshole. But that's the way it works sometimes. But that's what um, that's why it was so funny talking to this girl. We talked for three hours, but here, but this is what made her so spectacularly, spectacular. I'm never going to be able to get that word out. I'm doing a porky pig moment here. Um, so spectacular. And then I had to point it out. And I said, what you just did is a goddamn miracle. This is one of the nicest things I've ever seen anybody do. We were talking for an hour and a half. And all of a sudden she goes, hey, I got to call you back in five minutes. 
She didn't tell me why. She just said, I'll call you back in five minutes. And I'm like, you don't have to call me back. That's okay. I know we've been talking a while. She said, no, no, no. Let's call you back in five minutes. Well, she called me back in three minutes, maybe even less. And she said, I'm sorry about that. I just, um, I had all these texts coming in while I was talking to you because we're trying to organize like a doggy play date for the next day or a hike. And I wanted to answer everybody back and then have your, you know, I wanted to make sure you had my full attention so I wasn't being distracted. Well, I, I couldn't even believe that. I have never heard anything like that before. In fact, I was telling Rachel, I think before that, or maybe maybe it was Rachel. I don't remember who it was. And I said, yeah, maybe it was my sister. I was like, yeah. I mean, I don't know any girls that have ever done, you know, I don't know anybody who's ever done that. Where, you know, usually people are just texting and writing back to people. I, was, I know it was all guy was telling uh I'm like, you're, you know, you're the worst. You're distracted all the time by just either cooking or cleaning or or texting. You know, I mean, it's uh, this was a miracle of somebody in this day and age to say, hey, I, I want to get my full. It reminded me of that movie. As good as it gets, Helen Hunt, Jack Nicholson and Greg Kinnear driving and he's talking about his life and his parents and what's happened. And she makes Jack Nicholson pull over. So she could, no, she's driving and she makes, and she pulls over so she can sit there and listen explicitly to Greg Kinnear's story and get his full attention. And it was one of those scenes where I'm like, yeah, okay, that happens in real life. But it actually did. I just, I I thought that was a miracle. And then at the end of the three hours, I said, what are you doing tonight? What are your plans? Now, of course, nobody has plans. But like, what are you, you, know, you going to do? And she said, well, I think I'm going to get high. Then I'm going to eat something delicious. And then I'm going to watch TV. And to which I responded, are you seeing anybody and would you like to marry me? No, I didn't say that. But that's certainly what I was thinking in my head. Wow. Is she just saying that because she knows that's what Dave Jessica wants to hear? <laughs> what Dave Jones got finds attractive in a woman. That was the greatest thing of all time. And of course, it reminded me of our favorite scene. You really saw his face. You saw yeah. him so many looking. Oh, really? Yes, I'm here to tell you. It was, it was Mr. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Not, not a question. I mean, you could see him because, uh, you know, was, there was just no way that you could have warned him. He was right to me, it's him. obvious. Well, How obvious? What do you mean? Obvious he's committed the perfect murder. Well, okay, look. You have to start off with another woman who bears some ballpark resemblance to Mrs. House. Yeah. That's what I said. It's exact. I use the term ballpark resemblance I know, myself. Like it was the my term, idea. Right? They're I with this woman. Yeah. Maybe having dinner. They don't induce a heart attack because that's fiction bullshit. She has a heart attack. She drops dead spontaneously. They had no thought of killing her. Maybe they wish she was dead. Why? I don't know. Maybe they stood to gain if she died. They see a golden opportunity. Mrs. House dresses her up in her clothes. She hides. This is my theory. Exactly my theory. That's right. She checks into a hotel. Yeah, well, we got that far with the exception of the actual spontaneous heart attack. Okay, you know the husband's planning to go to Paris with this pretty young woman? He's cheating on his wife. So instead of finishing the scheme they planned, he double-crosses her and kills her, taking her share of the profits. Well, you think think Helen Moss is in on this, too? Yeah, good chance she's aware. Okay, but what about Mrs. Dalton? He claims he took her to the movies. She's his alibi. 
She covered from when he strangled his wife. She said he was work all day. That's right, because he introduced her as a colleague. Wait, wait, wait. He's a colleague who maybe loves him. Oh, oh wait, wait, he's wow. cheating on her too. Cheating on two yeah, women? Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. This guy doesn't finish. look the part. Oh, the yeah. point is, he's gotten away with the perfect murder. There are no bodies around to prove anything. And all the paperwork's strictly above board. He's home free. Oh, where did you find this woman? She's a genius. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. But the guy, he knows that we know. So is he well, not he doesn't care. Water. Why should he? Everything's been neatly disposed of. He's home free. Only he and maybe his mistress know the truth. Well, she's right. Hold, There's no body. Hold on one second. We don't know this is all true. This is just a theory. Yeah, but it's a great theory. It's yeah, paying it's attention. This holds is a great water. theory. Everything fits attention. together in this. I think it's great. When I come back from the ladies' room, I'll tell you how to trap him. Where did you find her? I mean, she's, she, she's really smart. She's got one idea after another. It's like one thing leads to another. I'm surprised you two didn't drill yourselves to death. Oh, I hope you just had a nice first date. I knew that they would hit it off. I, you know, that's our favorite. Where, where did you find this woman? She's, she's terrific. What's better than that? When I come back from the ladies' room, I'll show you. How, I'll tell you how to trap him. Where did you find this woman? That's what I said. Ballpark, ballpark resemblance. I actually used that exact same term. So, yeah, where did this woman come from that just uh, wants to get high, eat something delicious, and watch TV? Well, who knows? But I will tell you this. Uh, problematically, uh, when she said that, I'm like, you know what? It, you know, because I was sitting there the whole time. I'm like, I really got to do the podcast. And I'm like, but you know what would be better is getting high eating something delicious, and watching TV. Now, that's a Saturday night for you, pal Dave Jessica, as we know. Uh, so I got high, and then I ordered, please forgive me, Domino's. I haven't had it in about two years. I know everybody gets angry. Anybody listening to this podcast gets angry. They're like, what, you live in New York City? What, are you crazy? You're ordering Domino's? But I've told you a hundred times. If I want pizza... If I want an actual pizza, I order from a pizza place in Manhattan. If I want Domino's, I order Domino's. I don't know what the fuck Domino's is. I don't know what its category is under. I mean, they call it pizza, but who the hell knows what that is? And uh, I just needed it. And I ordered like a thin crust with everything on it, you know. Mm. And the uh, buffalo chicken kickers or whatever they're called now. And, of course, you know, the bread with the cinnamon, the, the icing. Uh, uh, went for it. But the worst part was, thanks to the coronavirus again, dicking over your friend Dave Juskow, I have to go downstairs and get it. He can't come to the door. And there's nothing more embarrassing than living in New York City, having to go down to your lobby and pick up all the dominoes sitting there waiting for me, clearly marked dominoes, in front of your neighbors. And, of course, being high. And normally I thought I would just, you know, be able to get out of it and just get it and bring it up. But my doorman stopped me and he wanted to talk and I'm sitting there and like 10 people went by while I was. And of course, I don't mind talking to him. I'm just saying I was in. I'm like, and I even told him, I said, I'm kind of embarrassed and I'm holding the dominoes. Uh, and he's like, yeah, why are you ordering dominoes? I'm like, just, just, just relax. I'm obviously very high. So then I'm like, well, I'll order dominoes and then I'll, you know, finish the next day. But I. Well, I think we all know what happened. Since I have a problem with portion control. And uh, so then I relaxed. I watched some TV. And then I ate the, 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 the bread, you know, the cinnamon bread with the icing a little. And then I had diarrhea, obviously. Well, listen, what were you? How did you think, David, this was going to end? 
<laughs> but what a night. <laughs> I'm like, why does my stomach hurt? I don't know. This is weird. I feel like I'm going to throw up. Well, that's because I think, actually, I think I would have been okay. I think I had too much icing. I mean, I really went for it. That icing is the best part of the... <laughs> oh, it's so embarrassing. And I'm like, geez, I hope I can do the podcast tomorrow. It's like that bad. But I guess everything worked out. We're having a good time, right? This has been a fun, uplifting podcast and some weird strange way strange strange way whatever i was saying anyway i've got some really and let's just get on with the funny stuff and have a good time um okay i oprah who is just awful <laughs> there's a picture of in the paper last sunday getting her feet a pedicure why would you post that when no one's allowed to get a pedicure oh my assistant gave me a pedicure you Unless I'm mistaken and that's an old picture, why would you post a picture of you getting a pedicure when no one can get a pedicure or manicure now? That was way uncool. But listen to this, and this is the best. She did a commencement speech for the class of 2020, and this is one of the things she said. Let's see if I can pull this up. Your graduation ceremony is taking place with so many luminaries celebrating you on the world's Facebook stage. And I'm just honored to join them and salute you. You know, the word graduate comes from the Latin gradus, meaning a step toward something. And in the early 15th century, graduation was a... What an asshole. I'm sorry, but she just did the one thing you should never do when you're making a speech. She First of all, that music behind her is just pathetic because then it just seems like it's produced, so it's not real. So I'd be furious if this was my graduation commencement speech with her and her phoniness. But the word graduation stems from she just pulled the classics. Webster's Dictionary describes graduation as, I mean, the most classic of all things not to do that people do as a joke. I think I did it at my friend Lawrence's uh, being the best man, my best man speech. I was like, Webster describes, Webster describes, in the Webster's Dictionary described marriage as, I mean, it's the most obvious, stupid thing you could ever say. Uh, and it, it's just like somebody who doesn't seem to care and is just a complete asshole and not, right with the world here are some clips of people doing that exact same pretty much same bit that they're making fun of oprah actually doing it for real what an asshole you know the word graduation comes from the 15th century of shut up now what is a wedding well webster's dictionary describes a wedding as the process of removing weeds from one's garden there's another one from um the office which i never watched but uh you know, if they're going to, what would you call it? Uh, shit. Uh, you know, feed my purpose. It's hard to, you know, come up with the word sometimes. You're talking for two hours. Webster's Dictionary defines wedding as the fusing of two metals with a hot torch. Uh, the, the point of this all being is that these these comedy, these legendary comedy shows, the office, I, you know, the American one, I don't care for, but they, but it's, we know it's legendary. And the Simpsons have all, all made fun of what Oprah just pretty much did. The only thing Oprah didn't do was say Webster's. You know, the word graduation, what an asshole. Seriously, right? Are you guys into this or not? That ain't cool. 
I'm calling you out, Oprah. That's right. Meanwhile, I made a steak the other day. And uh, I don't, you know, I think I told you I made a steak. This is the second time I've made a steak. And uh, what I've been doing, I didn't get it right this time. I got it right last time a little. I think I marinated. It's very difficult cooking a steak at home. And then I put it in the broiler at 250 degrees for 20 minutes. So it cooks a little. And then I fry it in a pan for a couple of minutes, I guess, on each side. It might have gone too long or it was rare. I can't remember. It just wasn't all cooked all the way through. But when it um, got into the pan and it steamed, there was only one thing I just kept saying over and over again. I mean, I might as well have just been the Doc Brown. Uh, of course I do. In prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course, and then we had a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt, and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. He used a razor, and he used to slice it so thin that it used to liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. It's a very good system. Vinny was in charge of the tomato sauce. Wow, got the smell. That <laughs> treat, the kinds of meat and meatballs. You've got the veal. Beef and pork. Ah, good, but you gotta have the pork. Oh, that's, that's, that's the flavor. I felt he used too many onions, but it was still a very good sauce. Vinny, don't put too many onions in the sauce. I didn't put too much onions. Three onions, three onions. Three small onions. Three small onions. Three onions. How many cans of tomatoes you put in there? I put two cans, two big cans. You don't need three onions. Johnny Deal did the meat. We didn't have a broiler, so Johnny did everything in pans. I used to smell up the joint something awful, and the hacks used to die, but he still cooked a great steak. Hey, how do you like yours? Red. Medium red. Medium red. Hmm, aristocrat. See, you know, when you think of prison... Oh, medium rare. Oh, an aristocrat. I uh, said that mm, probably three or four times as I was cooking that steak. I don't see how you cannot... The only thing I wasn't doing was smoking a cigar while I was cooking it. Oh, medium rare. An aristocrat. I must have said it a hundred times as if... There was somebody taping me. <laughs> like I'm just like a weirdo. <laughs> I said it to myself a hundred times just to make myself laugh because that's what I do. And then I came back and said, well, I think what we can take from this thing is that I don't know how to cook a steak. This is the kind of stuff I just say to myself on a daily basis when nobody's around. Can you imagine if somebody was around, they would at first say, why does he keep saying oh, medium rare and aristocrat? First, they'd say that. But then um, if they heard me say that other thing, talking to myself, I think they'd laugh if I just said, well, I think if we can take anything from this, it's that I don't know how to cook a steak. And if they heard me saying that to myself, who wouldn't laugh? But if you just keep saying the lines over and over again, then it's a little weird. But if you say it once, hilarious. I keep, I guess I keep thinking my cat's still around and I'm just here to amuse her because Selena definitely thought I was funny, <laughs> but she, she didn't. She thought the opposite. Oh, uh, one other thing when we were with Attell, uh, <laughs> I thought it was like that movie Modern Times with Charlie Chaplin when he's just walking around and then he ends up in the protest. That was <laughs> That's what it ended up like with Attell. That's what it felt like, which is just so funny because they just aired that episode every day at the Comedy Cellar, which is all boarded up. Anyway, we're having a good time, right? I like this podcast. I am very happy with this podcast. I think it's a very lively discussion. Oh, I found some stuff in the paper today that's very interesting. 
for one thing, and this is hilarious, there's a huge article on Leah Michelle, who, as I've mentioned very uh, oftentimes, I find her very attractive. I find her very attractive for many reasons. I mean, she's very pretty, but she also, you know, her singing is amazing. And I like actors that are singers, but then they just sometimes just do regular acting roles. I don't know why I find that attractive. I find that attractive with men, too. I'm always just looking at, you know, somebody that you know sings really well, but they're just doing an acting role. I like that. Like uh, Melissa Benoit, or whatever you pronounce her name on Supergirl. Oh, she's a singer, but she's just playing Supergirl. I like that. But this Leah Michelle, there's two black actors that were on Glee that just called her out for being a major I'm trying not to use the word C word, um, so I'll just say jerk off. Um, they just say that she's the meanest girl in Hollywood. And uh, there's one girl that said she was she was in ragtime on Broadway with her, I guess, when she was 12, said she was terrifying at 12. Uh, her un- Broadway understudy said she was crazy. The other girl said, Glee co-star, the Samantha Ware said, uh, she threatened to shit in her wig. Uh and this one guy, this, this black guy said he wouldn't let her sit with her at the lunch table. And other people are just chiming in. They're saying she was very unpleasant to work with at Glee. So apparently she is a bitch. Now, I don't know who wouldn't know that anyway. She's obviously a diva bitch. I mean, it just makes sense. But, you know, all these people are chiming in. And it all started with black people. I'm saying that, that she, you know, they're just saying she's hard to work with, which apparently now means you're racist. Because she was mean to two black people, everybody's calling her racist. And I, it's hilarious, but it's really unfair because there's a guy saying, oh, yeah, no, no, she's racist. But everybody's saying, no, no, she's not racist. She's just an asshole. She's mean to everybody equally. But I guess if you are mean to two black people, they're going to call you racist. So, you know, even though she's kind of an asshole, I... I don't see how she's racist. <laughs> it seems to me that she's an equal opportunity racist like me that is just an asshole to everyone. And it just so happens whether you're Indian or Asian or black, you're just an asshole. It's like what I did to that poor Indian girl who now I think is actually brilliant. Uh, the day with my friend Felicia Michaels, who I'm not friends with at her open mic night, when I said to this Indian girl, I'm like, you know, nobody can understand what you're saying. You know that, right? You're talking crazy because you're like, well, I know for one thing that if I do it. And I'm just like, nobody knows what you're talking about. So I'm an equal opportunity racist. And as racist as that sounded, I was trying to, uh, I thought I was trying to help her. Uh, but apparently it just came out very racist. I didn't, I didn't imitate her to her face like that. But I couldn't understand what she was saying. Meanwhile, I just saw her kill on stage at comedy. So obviously I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Now here is a fucking classic thing. And this is what I'm saying. This is the perfect example of why, oh my God, everybody, you have to calm down. This J.K. Rowling, who should also just, everybody just shouldn't tweet for a couple of months, right? She said, this has nothing to do with racism or anything. You're not going to believe this. She goes, she said, what did she say? Because I got to get it right. She said, uh, on Saturday afternoon, Rowling snarkily retweeted, retweeted, a retweet. I didn't even realize that was the case. Retweeted a grow a groups a de- a wait. Retweeted a global development groups article on global menstrual health and hygiene. 
Uh, oh, she went into high snark mode over the article's title, creating a more equal post-COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. And then she said, people who menstruate, rolling mocked, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people, someone help me out, Wombin Wimpond Woomud. I don't know what that means. But apparently, the Twitterverse blasted rolling for, you ready for this? For not, I mean, she's making up Harry Potter words for menstruating. Clearly, it's a joke. And because it's a ridiculous title. To cope the pre post COVID menstrual high. I mean, this is stupid. And she's making fun of it because she's British and they're hilarious and they don't take anything serious. And they're blasting her for you ready for this? Are you sitting down? Have you had enough? For not acknowledging that transgender and nine binary people who do not identify as women may still menstruate. You have to be fucking kidding me. You have to be fucking kidding me. Jesus Christ. Are you fucking joking? Really? You're coming out for this now? There's not other things to handle in the world? You're going to blame this poor idiot who just says a joke about menstruation? And then you're like, but you're not acknowledging the transgender. Listen, transgender folk, we'll get back to you. Right now we'll worry about the blacks. And later we'll worry about the Jews. And then we'll get back to the transgender, all right? It's one thing at a time. We just can't do it all at once. Meanwhile, that girl who the, who's a lawyer who Molotov cocktailed uh, the police car, which is just so uncool. She's a, a lawyer at a law firm, somebody who I totally could have known, uh, was like, she's Indian, she's Muslim or something, and uh, turns out she was uh, mad at something that happened about Israel. Well, here we go. And now it begins. So she's all about black rights, but apparently... If Israel gets involved, she's got a problem. Well, how delightful. And here we go. It is getting out of hand, but it sure is a lot of fun, isn't it? I mean, listen, you know, we've all been inside for three months. We needed some excitement, and this is it. So I hope everybody's having a great time parading around singing and dancing in your protest and spreading around the coronavirus that we spent three months to try and curtail. I hope everybody's having such a joyous time. And they are. I'm telling you, I've been out there They're having a blast. And it was peaceful and it looked like everybody was doing the right thing. But I'm just saying they weren't wearing masks. They got them, you know, down on their chin. But Wow. It, I mean, it didn't look like a lot of fun. I'm like, geez, I, you know, I wish I was uh, a peaceful protest. That seems like fun. I wish I could sink my teeth into a nice protest. But uh, although I'm with you on the Black Lives Matter, I, I am not going to a protest that is going to say fuck the police. Sorry. Not interested. Most of the police guys are all right. And, and again, thank God for them. And what did I say? Two weeks ago, three, no, two months ago, I was riding around town. How happy was I that there was a police presence at nighttime during these places? I even, you know, tried to write an article about it, but I'm not going to. Thank God. Thank God we have police. Sorry. Sorry if you don't like it. Meanwhile, I'll get to the other things, which is uh, Aunt Judy is now the uh, haircuts, I think, are opening up next week. And Aunt Judy, my Aunt Judy, has the first appointment, the first official appointment in her neighborhood. Um, she, you know, organized it about two weeks ago. She's the first one in. She's been waiting. It's been horrible for her. This is a woman, uh, her, her mother, my mother, 
who cannot, well, basically her and her mother, who have not not had a hair appointment every week for the past 70 years. Folks, I'm telling you, I don't know how she's held up. This is just as bad as Attell not performing on stage. But obviously he's lost his mind, so that's different. But um, I've also upped my yoga. I've been doing yoga. I think I told everybody I've been doing yoga every day, and I upped it from 10 to 15 minutes. And the whole key, if I didn't tell you this, I'm doing it. I started yoga. And the key that I'm trying to do is to be able to sit Indian style without propping my back on my bed for for two minutes. Just sit upright Indian style for two minutes. I think that would be a huge thing coming out of the COVID thing. I haven't been able to sit Indian style in 30 years. The weird part is my niece who just turned 21, Eliza, she can't sit Indian style. So I don't know whether it's a thing or whatever, but I'm trying some stretching exercises and uh, I kind of enjoy it. I've been trying to buy a yoga mat because I decided, okay, I think I am in. So I decided to get a mat. You can't find one anywhere anymore. They're done. Uh, meanwhile, I bought a plush baby Yoda doll from the Disney store, which I gave to Rachel's kid. And I just bought another one because they're a hot commodity and they only allow one per customer. And it is the most adorable stuffed animal you've ever seen. And then I'm just going to try and buy a lot more because I think they're going to be very popular. Um, so I just go for it. The best part is, as I was trolling protest news, you know, sometimes when you go in and then they just have stuff that completely catches your eye. And it was like, oh, couples we forgot were married. And then you have to go look at it. Or like, look what these child stars look like now. You know, I mean, everybody gets caught up in that. You're looking at the most serious of things. Oh, there was some uh, police shoving and priest brutality and all stuff. But like, but you know, we forgot that Jennifer Esposito and Bradley Cooper were married once. Man, this is game-changing news. We'd forgotten about Jennifer Garner and Scott Foley. What from Felicity? We totally forgot about them. We're only thinking about Jen and that idiot Ben Affleck, Kid Rock, and Pam Anderson. It happened. And what about? The the best one we all completely forgot, Scarlett Johansson and Ryan Reynolds. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about them. Boy, this really made my day. Couples we'd forgotten had gotten married. Now, that is a headline. That's the headline we should all be talking about again. Let's go back to Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Esposito. Let's revisit Irene's best friend, Jennifer Esposito, who was married to Bradley Cooper, the hottest guy on the planet. Jennifer Esposito is so hot. I was on their podcast, but Jennifer Esposito wasn't there. And she's on that uh, Aquafina show, which I hope lasts after Comedy Central goes uh, kapooey. Because it is. Let's see what else we got planned today before we wrap stuff up. Okay. Yeah, I think we've uh, done enough for today, but there was uh, one last thing I wanted to. We usually end on a little uh, music action. So, you know, we were talking about Devo. For the last two weeks, for some God knows reason. And the Rolling Stone, of course. And so you remember that they covered Can't Get No Satisfaction, and it's it, it, horrible. The Devo has done a couple of covers that I've noticed, and um, they're bad. <laughs> they just don't do good covers, where some people do excellent covers. This is um, Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced by Devo? <laughs> It seems okay here, but 
Of guts to uh, play something like that, <laughs> but actually, now that I hear it, I I think I like it better than the original. <laughs> this is what I always used to like this song, but I I don't like this version of Secret Agent Man. And this, I feel like this one should be better for them for some reason. I think it's that drum beat that's throwing me off. It's making me uncomfortable. They are a hilarious crew. good and because the original is so fantastic and you know so much fun and that was they feel like they kind of ruined it there's a man who leads a life of danger to everyone he meets he stays a stranger It's hard to uh, improve upon unless you're just proving on the quality sound. So uh, I think Devo messed that up. But, you know, I give him a pass because um, I actually really love this song. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this song. I like this song. You think this came out in the 80s? Yeah, I'm going to say it probably did. I like this one. Yeah, I don't think it's from a... I can't think of a movie that it might be in, but... 
Okay, you know what? I think I'll leave on this. What do you think? Leaving on through being cool? Is that all right, everybody? Yeah, I guess that's it for today. We talked for two hours or so, maybe a little more. Maybe we make a longer podcast now that it's a pandemic. Maybe it's almost over. And uh, I don't know. Everything's going to be all right. We always seem to make it out of it, right? Am I right, everybody? It's a great country we live in. Let's keep it cool. We're all going to go to school and be cool. I know it's through being cool, but I'm going to start being cool. That's my new plan for 2021. I've already washed off 2020. It's over, so... There will, there will be no 2020 on-call. Well, anybody, everybody, anyway, <laughs> I hope everybody's doing all right. I mean, what a mess. What a strange time to live in. But you're looking at the opposite way, which is almost hilarious. I just, I mean, this is great. And when we tell our grandkids about this kind of stuff, they probably won't even believe it. Pile it on, I say, I think. That's what I might name the podcast this week. I hope everybody has such a great week. Tonight. And I'll see you all next week for another extended podcast, COVID-19 edition. This is Dave Jones from the Nightfly. Good night, everybody. You might meet a dozen